creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we return to the No Name Bar for a part two continuation of this nerdtastic monthly event, Nerd Night. Nerd Night is a beer-filled history channel to those who are passionate enough to speak to their heart's content. So if you enjoy knowledge more than anyone, or perhaps you're passionate enough on a topic to be called a nerd, well then this safe haven of Nerdvana is the place to be. So take a seat, grab a drink of some friends, because it's Nerd Night from the No Name Bar, today on Culture Click. First time using a microphone. (laughs) It's about time. I am the master baker at Castle Rock Sourdough. This is my wife, Britta. She's got a more difficult job. She has to train me. She's the head baker and founder. We like to sing as we bake bread. It just goes more easily. When I first saw Britta across a crowded room, as the old song says, she was singing. And I said to myself, she's not from around here. Maybe she's from Sweden. She sure fooled me. Now she's going to fool all of you into thinking in this next song of ours, our first song, that her mother and father were Irish. Is my mic on? Is my mic on? Just checking. It's my second time using a mic. I'm I'm up up in in the morning early. To greet the dawn, dawn of, of day to the, the lint white piping Many's the tune I play One, One pleasant even June time I met a lockery man His face and hands were weazened His height was not a span He poured me for my fiddle you know, says he, like you. My father and mother were Irish, and I am Irish too. He took my wee red fiddle and such a tune he turned. The glacian it whispered, the leonin in it burned. He said, my lad, you're lucky. I wish I were like you. You're lucky in your birth star and in your fiddle too. He gave me back my fiddle, my fiddle stick also. And stepping like a baby boy, he jumped the lyre yet no. I never saw him after, nor met his gentle kind. But whilst I think I hear him, a weeping in the wind. Father and mother were Irish, and I am Irish too. I bought a wee fiddle for nine pence. It is Irish too. 
I'm up in the morning early to greet the dawn of day. And to the lint white piping, many's the tune I play. And to the lint white piping, many's the tune I play. What's the instrument that you play? It's called an auto harp. You know, it's not a real instrument. <laughs> not like your smartphones. <laughs> it's also called a corded zither. The buttons do the work for you to find the chords, and the rest is magic. <laughs> yes, I'm strumming. Real auto harp players pluck. And they often wear finger picks, but... Uh... Well, I'd like to get into the next part of our talk. We had promised to tell you that uh, how we met was uh, in March of 2020 when COVID first set in and people were still eating bread and I was still baking. And one day I, after we had met, I said, would you care to help me for a few hours in the bakery in exchange for a few loaves of bread? And so he came right along and he'll tell you the rest of the story. We were having fun forming dough. It can be really fun singing songs, even in Latin. And uh, she said to me, you look a bit gray. And I thought to myself, well, I am 58, but give me a chance. <laughs> and actually, I was looking a bit grayish, and I was feeling a bit dizzy. But uh, never mind, because whenever I'm having too much fun, that's usually how I feel. So keep your stretchers ready. <laughs> well, later that weekend at the hospital, the doctors told me, you definitely had some kind of a heart event. Uh, well, it's, it's been all heart since then. <laughs> and uh, we were married in October last. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Forget the rest of the story. Oh, that's... <laughs> Thank you. Let's see. Well, as for making sourdough, I guess we just felt like singing a song to you. We do like to sing at the bakery. I wanted to tell you a few things about making sourdough. Uh, first of all, we all hear a lot about kneading bread, but technically uh, people that make sourdough are not supposed to knead the bread. Uh, they handle it very gently because if you handle sourdough too firmly, you will destroy it and will not rise. So I actually have a piece of dough here. And at home, I have uh, nine bins this large on the average day preparing for Wednesday's baking. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. This is a small bit of dough. And instead of kneading for sourdough, we pick up the dough. And it's called stretch. And I'm going to fold it in half. I just folded it. And then we turn the dough the other direction. And we pick it up again. Woo, there it goes. Hope it's not going on sound equipment. And uh, stretch and fold again. And uh, we'll stretch and fold it for as many times until it's getting too stiff to make a, a decent fold. That's looking pretty good. That was three stretch and folds. Um, and uh, most days, if I'm going to be baking the next day, I'll be up at uh, 6 or 6.30 starting to mix the dough. 
that dough will not be baked for another 36 hours. So all the dough for sourdough is, has a very slow and long rise. And that is the key um, to getting a good flavor and to getting better nutrition. And um, let's see, I better look at my outline because I had some things I was going to tell you. Uh, it will be cooled in a cool room at 46 degrees. And like Sandy, I, I do have a cool bot and it's run by an air conditioner. And I keep all my dough in this cool room for uh, somewhere between 24 and 36 hours because it comes in and out of the cool room as we work it with it. Now, let's do pretend... Uh, that it is the next day because I would have been stretching and folding this off and on for 24 hours and let's say it is tomorrow morning now and in fact tomorrow morning I will be taking one of these and we will be cutting the dough at that time into uh, bread sized chunks and this is more like a bread sized chunk and we'll be forming it. And this dough is going to be a little hard to form because it's um, too wet and I don't have any flour. Some people for prefer to form wet dough. And if it were morning, this would be a very nice round um, a glob of dough. It's not yet bread. Um, and we would let it sit there for a bench rest. And a lot of people say to me, well, wait a minute. Uh, most of the bread I buy from you is this shape, and why are you doing that? Well, you always form it into a round first. That gives it the strongest um, ability to rise and hold its shape. And these are various uh, baskets called banatons, and they're made out of wood. And we, after this dough would be shaped, it will be going in this banaton for another six to eight hours of rising which we vary the temperature. We might start part of the rise at the room temperature of 70 degrees, and depending on how far into summer we are, we could leave it out there for a number of hours, and then uh, we'd put it into the room that has the cool bot, which can bring down the temperature to approximately 46 degrees is what I prefer for my sourdough. Um, as you can see, there's different shapes that you can use, um, different sizes. I used to do more round shapes, um, but when people found out that I would do a dough or a bread this shape, this is the shape they all wanted. <laughs> it's easier to cut and make sandwiches out of. Where did you uh, get those pardon? Where did you get those shapes? Uh, this is the standard shapes that you can buy uh, banatons in. Seems to be regulated a bit. And. Uh, I brought this, it's an antique dough trough, and in the old days, in the 1800s and earlier, this is one's probably from the 1800s, instead of stretching dough in a little dish pan, they would be mixing it in here and stretching and folding it, and uh, the bakeries had one that would be from here to here, and several men would participate in picking it up and stretching it over. So it is a, um, can be a labor-intensive heavy work, our heaviest thing that we do is lift the, the mixer bowl, which I should weigh it someday, really, to be more accurate, but it's somewhere between 90 and 120 pounds, and we uh, lift it together always, except once in a while there's somebody young at the bakery who lifts weights and lifts it all by themselves. <laughs> I don't want to name names right now. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take this. Here is this. 
and let's pretend it had a bench rest of, I prefer a bench rest of one half hour, um, but this one didn't get it, but we'll, we'll do it anyway. I'm gonna try to form it into the shape of uh, putting it into, let's see, this is the most popular uh, one to put it in. So we'll be putting it in there. I have to roll it in rice flour and I didn't bring any rice flour tonight so I am not putting it in there. And uh, it will be going into that for six to eight hours and then we'll be baking it. Uh, we used to bake in the early morning. We used to try to bake right before the farmer's market started. And because uh, I wanted, I said, I have to bring the dough, the bread very hot to the market. I thought that was just what you did. And well, it turned out that to do that, we would get one hour of sleep and we'd still arrive late to the market. I'm sorry, everybody, about that. Um, but I'm trying to improve and now I'm able to come to the market on time by uh, usually baking the night before or even the night before. And um, sourdough is very good for preservation. Anybody who's done both will see that sourdough can withstand um, being in the air or even in a bag much longer than uh, the commercial bread that's treated with preservatives, which is very interesting because sourdough is made with flour, water, salt, and a natural leaven. There is no commercial yeast in it. Um, let's see. I wanted to mention, uh, yes, I have a few sample loaves. We just baked these a few hours ago. We got out of the bakery around 6 or 6.30 tonight. And uh, this is one of the ones that uh, it was risen in this here. So you can see it does gonna get a little bigger. Um, we roll this out onto a baking sheet. We sprinkle it with rice flour. We take very sharp razors and we cut the design in. And then we take that baking sheet which has three breads on it and we toss it into a 500 degree oven. And it, it looks like um, when we toss it in, it's, have you ever seen those flying carpets? It's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like tossing a big uh, flying carpet with three loaves of bread and making it land in the right place. And if it doesn't land, we reach in with our hand and pull it out to the right place. So here's another example. This is a smaller one. Um, let's see here. We have uh, a few specialty breads that we make. This is the seven grain rye. The top seller is the white sourdough. This rye is also a sourdough. This one takes three days to make because I will be soaking the seeds uh, for 24 hours before adding them to the dough. This is a jalapeno cheddar, which has, uh, as you can imagine, it has cheddar and jalapenos in it. And uh, people like that one too, I guess. I forgot to bring cinnamon raisin. Um, let me think here what else I was planning to tell you. I wanted to make a few statements about the health benefits of sourdough. Not only does the long rise time help it to ferment and it gives you uh, increased nutrition because there's things on grains called phytates and those are nutrient blockers. Now, if you ferment a grain, it will disable the nutrient blockers and so you will actually get all the nutrition that is in that grain. Now, I have historically tried to eat good food and um, <laughs> so I used to just go to the store and get um, whole wheat bread because I thought that's going to be really healthy for me. And um, the thing about that is if it is not sourdough, if it is not long fermented, 
unfortunately, you will not be able to get all of the nutrition out of those wonderful grains because of phytates, which are blocking that nutrition. So I do recommend, if you want the best nutrition, to eat sourdough. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, is I have many customers who um, have health problems because of gluten, which is in quick rise bread. That's the other thing that's very nice about sourdough. It is low gluten because the long fermentation process eats up the gluten. So let's say that this is, I do not have the statistics, but let us say that quick rise bread has this much gluten. And uh, let's say it's a possibility that sourdough has about that much. And then let's say a possibility, and this is a fact, that the longer the rise, the less the gluten. And because I raise mine to the highest amount of rising, we could say that I, I potentially have this much gluten. I don't know. I don't have the statistic on that. But I know I have much less gluten. And I know that people that are, get very sick and ill with eating quick rise bread are my uh, devoted customers. And they can eat my bread every day with no ill health problems and actually thrive with my bread. So I'm very happy to be able to provide that product to anybody who wants it. <laughs> I wanted to mention that Louis Pasteur saw this coming in the 1850s. He was a French scientist, as most of you know. And uh, I don't know how he figured this one out, but uh, at that time, the French bakers were getting pressure all, all over the world. Food was starting to change. They were trying to mechanize, is that the word? Yeah, yeah. Mechanize everything. And they're trying to pass around quick-rise yeast to all the bakers. And Louis said, hey, don't do that. Do not use quick-rise yeast. I predict massive health problems if you start making bread with quick rise yeast. And look at what we have experienced here with celiac disease, people that have gluten problems. And if they really would have listened to Louis Pasteur, and actually the French bakers did for the most part, because most every French baker is still making sourdough bread. They don't call it sourdough. That's an American term that came with a gold rush. And they called the men that were carrying a little starter around in their covered wagon, they called them sourdoughs. But any um, most breads in France, most European artisan breads are sourdough, and they have that added health benefit and the history of giving their people good food that actually will nourish them and not make them sick. Uh, one last thing I uh, want to recommend, if you do have a health problem, please, um, if you're going to go for eating sourdough bread, uh, use some discretion. Don't just go to the store and say, hey, this says sourdough on it, because I'd say 90 to 95 percent of the bread in stores is actually quick rise bread with vinegar added or another flavoring and they are allowed to call it sourdough so if you have a health problem you do need to be discerning check your source one good thing is to say how long do you raise your bread if they say anything less than 12 hours for a raise time then it's probably quick rise bread so don't don't fall prey to that um let's see uh, I was going to open it up for questions. If anybody had any questions, um, David or I would be happy to answer them. Yeah, questions for Brenda. Thank you very much. Here we go. Tell us about your designs on the bread. Pardon? Tell us about the designs on your bread. Ah, well, we favor certain designs that um, remind us of wheat at times. And uh, sometimes we just experiment and try to think of what is pretty and uh, David recently did a design of the Winona Bridge which was pretty popular 
And uh, we just experiment and have fun. So if you ask a question, you get a prize. I forgot the prizes, I'm sorry. Okay, one loaf of bread down. We're especially looking for people who have not had Castle Rock sourdough before. All right, Joyati, here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I always like to know the history of this. Like, when did you start? I mean, you were a young girl, or you... Uh, when I, did you start? I mean, your grandparents, or how did all start to the sourdough bread for you? Well, technically, my mother did make a, a whole, or a wheat bread with... Um, oatmeal in it and she did soak her oatmeal which is very similar to the process I use for soaking the rye grains and that rye bread does have oatmeal in soaked as well it has uh, seven grains in it as well as rye and um, she also put a little molasses in which I put in my bread uh, within the rye bread excuse me that's the only bread that has anything like that in it and uh, as for when did I start, I think I started baking in my teens or 20s. I'm sure I was baking bread all that time. All the way through adult life, I, had, I have seven children, and I was baking bread for them. And I started to experiment with sourdough. And I probably made sourdough for just my family for, I really haven't calculated the years, probably 20, 25 years. And then at one point, I needed a job, and I was like, what job should I do? <laughs> And I thought, well, I'd like to work at home. I've always valued that lifestyle. And so I first started uh, baking under the cottage food license. And I used three home ovens that were probably 50 or 60 years old. And I just started baking as many as I could and taking it to the Winona Farmer's Market and the Good Fuse farmer's market. Well, I could only produce 18 to 20 loaves of bread because for sourdough, you have to put it on a stone and cover it with a rather large covering. That's only one loaf per oven. So I was running between these three ovens and to get 18 loaves of bread, I could only sleep for one hour. And I said, well, I'm either quitting this, that's been fun. Um, I'm either quitting or I'm going to see if I can put a little commercial bakery on part of my property. So I did use an existing space on my property, which is called Castle Rock Farm or Castle Rock Sourdough. And I made a small commercial bakery, which is now licensed. And that's why I'm able to sell to stores and restaurants now. How many ovens do you have now? Uh, well, I have uh, one big oven. Uh, well, I have two ovens, but I have one big oven that's from here to here. I have to actually get on a step stool to load the top uh, uh, deck. There's five, four decks in it. And it's fashioned after a European sourdough oven with a stone deck and steam. But it was uh, made by an American manufacturer that was able to give me a very nice price on that. And uh, that's the main one I bake all the white sourdough in. I do some of the specialty in that. And then I have another um, Blodgett gas convection oven uh, that has six shelves in it. So um, we're just loading and unloading uh, to get all that in. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. All right, we got one here. Sue. Hi, I'm just wondering if you can tell us about your sourdough starter and when you actually physically started it and how you keep it going. Yes, thank you for asking. And uh, one of the prizes that you could choose to win yes, is... Yes, would you like... Some is, sourdough yeah, starter? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, so that is some of the starter, and you got the instruction sheet on how to maintain the starter, and then you also got my recipe for the white sourdough and a multi-grain sourdough. It's the exact same recipe I'm using, and um, 
how old is my starter? Well, somebody gave me some starter and I added it to it and they said it was 150 years old. But um, I don't put a lot of weight into that because um, it was a very generous, nice person that did that. But um, a lot of people that are, are giving away starters are giving away a starter that either they or the person before them neglected for a good amount of time. And once they've neglected that starter, it's just like a bit of glue. And it's not, it's not holding the microorganisms that you need to make a really good loaf of bread. They might start feeding it someday and they might start stirring it nicely and get a very good starter, but it really is no longer the 150-year-old original microorganisms that belong to that, unless they had, uh, maybe they were a family of bakers, and everybody in that family knew you must stir that starter every day, or if you're keeping it in the refrigerator every um, two or three days, but you cannot neglect it for three months and say it's this 150-year-old starter. So my starter is approximately five years old at this time, but I have owned many starters through the 25 years, and I alternately have killed some of them, and then um, asked other people if I could have their live starter and restarted. Mm -hmm. All right, we, we have time for two more questions. I've got one right here. I come from a background of having been an organic farmer and flour miller. Yes. And so uh, aside from the, the rye in the uh, uh, multigrain flour, mm -hmm. um, does sourdough by chance connotate whole wheat? Whole grain? Uh, well, that's up to the individual baker at every case. And many sourdough bakers are baking a high portion of whole wheat. I'd say uh, my first portion is the white sourdough, which in every loaf has a portion of stone ground whole wheat and rye. Okay. I have a small portion. It's, it's okay. mainly for flavoring and, and some nice color. Um, then my second most popular selling bread is the rye, which contains seven different grains, including stone ground whole wheat, rye, uh, rye, um, whole grain rye that is soaked, rye chops, which is like rye oatmeal. It has oats, flax, millet, and um, caraway, I believe. Does it go unsaid uh, and, and, uh, that you can tell how whole wheat the bread is by looking at the end view having been cut, so the center of the loaf? Will, will clearly be whiter or darker uh, re related to whole wheat or... or sure. Um, so this is my, my darkest uh, loaf, which it's rye with... with uh, it also has stone ground whole wheat and other grains that I told you about. And it's, it's a dark loaf all the way through. I'm not sure if I understood your question properly. Correct, correct. But, but you won't see an inner part that is white in this bread. It's dark all the way through. That's all. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We have one last question back here. Yeah, it's a quick question. Um, you and your apron are very beautiful. And we are wondering if there's a backstory behind your apron. Ah, well, thank you about the apron and your uh, kind compliment toward me. I really appreciate that. And uh, I have always been enamored with aprons. When my girls were younger, we all made aprons together. And that one wore out so much I can't wear it anymore. I thought it's on the shelf to be repaired. And then this one I just bought somewhere. And I always try to wear an apron uh, because I'm almost always baking or doing something with bread. So it protects my clothes as much as possible. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to do... Uh, yeah.
Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, we're going to do our second drawing. If you want a drum roll on your knees. Do you want to draw? Brian Nout? Brian. Brian. Brian Knopf? Is Brian Knopf here? Oh, yeah. Nice. You don't want to sing. Well, we'd like to thank you for coming and listening all about Castle Rock sourdough bread. Um, I wanted to tell you one last thing, is that on Wednesdays, you can buy our sourdough bread directly hot out of the oven from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we have picnic tables, and you can bring your own cheese and lunch meat, fruit, whatever else you want to drink, and have a picnic right up by the bakery, and you can watch our, our goats and... Um, Chickens graze around. It's a pretty scene in the shadow of the barn and the bakery. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you want to hear those details again, Carl has them on nice little sheets of paper that are going out right now. We're going to take a five-minute break again, and when we come back, we'll have our last speaker and our last drawing, our last speaker, John Mauser. So stick around. Big thanks to the staff of Nerd Night as well as the No Name Bar for making this whole event possible. Be sure to tune in next week for a part three continuation of this amazing event Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, be sure to check out Nerd Night on their Facebook at Nerd Night Winona, visit winona.com or nerdnight.com. To keep up with all things Winona or the surrounding Midwest area, tune in to Culture Click Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. here on 89.5 KQAL, online at kqal.org, on the app, on your favorite smart speaker, or wherever you get your general pod stuffs. I'm Don Alzate, keeping it nerdy. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening. To Culture Click.